Today, we'd like to thank Steve, who is listening in Wisconsin, for donating his 1981 Kawasaki motorcycle. You can join thousands of other listeners in donating old vehicles, trucks, boats, and RVs by visiting relevantradio.com slash car. That's relevantradio.com slash car. Their courage will astound you. Their stories will move you. Their faith will inspire you. Welcome to Great Stories About Great Saints on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Hello and welcome to The Inner Life as we're continuing to offer great stories about great saints all day long here on Relevant Radio. You can see the lineup of all the saints we're talking about today at RelevantRadio.com and on the Relevant Radio app. My name is Patrick Conley. And we're covering two great saints today on The Inner Life as you learn about them. I hope you seek to let their holy lives enrich your own Catholic faith. First up for us today is St. Ignatius of Loyola. And here to tell us about this fascinating saint is a voice you probably recognize as his prayer reflections and saint vignettes can be heard throughout the day right here on Relevant Radio. It's Father James Kubicki. Father Kubicki is a Jesuit priest, and he serves as a spiritual director at St. Francis de Sales Seminary in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee, and he gives retreats and missions all around the country. Welcome, Father Kubicki. Good to be speaking with you. Well, thank you so much. It's good to be with you, too. And uh, I'm glad to be uh, talking about the founder of my religious order, the Jesuits, the Society of Jesus. So I'm glad to have this opportunity. That's right. Well, uh, I'm I'm uh, guessing you're going to have more material than we can fit in, but I am so excited. I know some <laughs> things about St. Ignatius of Loyola, but not a lot. Why don't you just start us out uh, to uh, introducing us to this great saint? Okay, well, he was born right around the time that Christopher Columbus sailed west from Portugal. And so around the year 1491, he was born. And when he was 30 years old, he was serving as a soldier in an army that was opposing. So uh, the the French, he lived in the Basque region of Spain. So uh, it, that part of Spain was being invaded by uh, French soldiers. And uh, he was defending a town, a castle called Pamplona. He was wounded by a cannonball um, and underwent surgery. Uh, the surgery didn't really fix a knob that was protruding from his leg, so he underwent another brutal surgery that almost killed him. And in the process of his recovery, uh, he was in the family castle in Loyola, Spain, was bored, and the only books they had to read at that time were A Life of, the, of, of, uh, of Jesus Christ and The Lives of the Saints. And this very worldly man who wanted to be uh, a knight in shining armor to win the hand of the fair maiden, he began reading these spiritual uh, biographies, and it transformed his life. He began imagining himself as a saint, and uh, this is why I think it's so important that we talk about him on the Feast of All Saints, because the saints are really our heroes and heroines in the faith, and they're the ones, if we read their stories, they're the ones who can inspire us to live a holy life, just as uh, they inspired St. Ignatius Loyola. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's it's uh, it's fascinating just when I hear about his conversion story. There was something about uh, the the feeling that he got that that uh, stuck with him. This feeling of peace, of joy, as he was reading the lives of the saints as well. And uh, it's something that can stir our own imagination as well. We can pay attention to that, right, Father? That when we're reading of holy things, that that joy stays with us. 
That's right. This was the beginning of what uh, he has become famous for, uh, the discernment of spirits. So while he was bored, uh, recovering from his surgery, he began imagining himself doing all the brave deeds that he had um, imagined himself doing as a very worldly person. And while he would in the process of imagining that and fantasizing about being uh, a great military hero, uh, he experienced great excitement, but that left him feeling uh, kind of empty. But he noticed the contrast that when he imagined himself being another St. Francis of Assisi or St. Dominic, he not only felt excitement with the fantasy, but it left him with a stronger feeling and abiding feeling of peace. And this is where he talked about in his spiritual exercises, the difference between desolation and consolation. Desolation being those things that, as it were, take us away from God and holy desires. Consolation being that deeper peace that confirms our desire to know God better and to live a holy life. Mm. And this has borne much fruit throughout the uh, throughout the ages, of course, since the founding of the Jesuits, since uh, the life of St. Ignatius himself. I'm curious, Father, this I don't know. Do you did he seem to have as he's imagining himself to be these uh, these great saints and other Francis of Assisi you mentioned or something like that? Um, do you think he had in mind all along to found a sort of religious order or did that come from somewhere else? Oh, that definitely came later. So um, what he began doing after his conversion, uh, he set out to learn more about the faith and to study philosophy and theology. First, he had to learn Latin. So at the age of 33, he was sitting in a classroom with uh, boys, teenage boys, pounding out Latin conjugations and vocabulary and learning Latin. And uh, then he began, uh, during this course of his uh, being a student, he began talking to uh, lay people, sharing with them the fruits of his own prayer. And uh, that led to some suspicion because uh, the authorities that were in charge of the Inquisition and uh, uh, making sure that the the faith was was not being um, presented in an, in a heretical way because you know this was the time of of the Reformation that was going on. So um, because of that, he was um, imprisoned and went on, underwent a several trials. And basically, the upshot was he was told you cannot talk about. Uh, the distinction between mortal and venial sins. You cannot talk about uh, morality and and other things because you do not have a degree and you have not been ordained. So it was at that point that he decided to go to Paris, which uh, had the best university of the, of its day, and he uh, studied philosophy and theology in preparation for being ordained, so that he could uh, share his own spiritual experience. Uh, and not be uh, under suspicion. And it was during that time at the University of Paris, uh, when he was in his 30s, that he met Francis Xavier, who became a saint, Pierre Favre, another saint, and the three of them became close friends and began speculating about uh, coming together uh, and serving the Lord uh, as a community. And so um, the idea then 
was planted in their minds that they would uh, form uh, perhaps a religious community. And uh, it took some years for that to actually uh, uh, be realized, but um, others joined them, and there was sort of a nucleus. The Pope liked what he saw and wanted to send them in different directions to uh, to teach and to preach, uh, but the first Jesuits, 10 of them, they, uh, before they became an order, came together and decided, you know, th it's good. The Lord brought us together and there will be greater fruit if we stay together as a religious community. And so it was uh, around the year 1540. And so uh, St. Ignatius is about 39 years old now that uh, finally this new order was approved uh, by the Pope. Mm, wow. Our spiritual director for this half hour is Father James Kubicki, and he's telling us all about the life of St. Ignatius of Loyola as we are continuing our great stories with great saints all day long here on Relevant Radio in honor of All Saints Day. Well, and I should say, if you have a question about St. Ignatius and you'd like to uh, you'd like to ask Father Kubicki or if you have a way in which his spiritual exercises have really helped out helped you out in your life of faith, give us a call. You can always do that. We'll open the phone lines, 888-914-9149. That's our toll-free number sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters, 888-914-9149. Or send us an email, relevantradio.com. Father Kubicki, uh, so the so the Society of Jesus was founded or approved in 1540, and uh, I mean, did it did it draw did it draw people right away? Were people drawn? Were men drawn to it to the Society of Jesus, or did it take some uh, did it take some time to get kind of some traction? Oh, it uh, it it really took off at uh, within the lifetime of Saint Ignatius. So he he only lived maybe uh, sixteen years after the founding of the Jesuits, and by the time he died, there were over a thousand Jesuits, um, and so it it really did take off the idea. And part of it was because. Uh, in its own way, it was a radical form of consecrated or religious life. And what mm -hmm. was radical about it was this. Um, the Benedictine tradition and the tradition of the Franciscans and Dominicans was that they lived in community together and would come together at fixed times during the day to pray together. And St. Ignatius felt that uh, the Jesuits needed to be more mobile and not be tied down to certain hours that they would come together as community, and that they would be sent out as missionaries alone, perhaps. Um, and so you have St. Francis Xavier leaving uh, Rome and Portugal and heading to India and Japan alone. Um, other Jesuits were eventually sent, but he lived uh, pretty much on his own, connect connected to the community spiritually. But... Um, this was so radical that after St. Ignatius died, the Pope at the time felt that this was not the way religious life should be led. You really should be in community praying together at set hours during the day. Well, that Pope died before his uh, desire could be implemented. The next Pope came along and said, no, this is really of the Holy Spirit. And so um, uh, we want um, uh, this to continue where... Uh, this new order, the Jesuits, would have the freedom to uh, not be tied down to uh, praying together in community. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Well, it's very good. We're learning lots already from our spiritual director, Father James Kubicki, about the life of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Again, if you have a way in which his spirituality, his spiritual exercises perhaps have touched your life and you'd like to share that, or if you have a question about this great saint, give us a call at 888-914-9149. Well, Father, let's talk some about the spiritual exercises, because that's probably one of the things that he and then um, following the Jesuit order is well known for, um, is the spiritual exercises. What are the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius? Well, after his uh, conversion, he went to a place in Spain outside Barcelona called Montserrat, and nearby there was a Benedictine monastery where he uh, heard mass and uh, went to confession, but he spent most of his time alone in a cave in a place called Manresa, and there he began writing down his uh, spiritual reflections and experience, and this became the these notebooks became the uh, genesis, the beginning of what has come to be known as the spiritual exercises. When St. Ignatius went to Rome, he would share these with uh, the students, his fellow students, and it had a profound effect on their lives. So you have, again, Francis Xavier and Pierre Favre becoming, um, wanting to give their lives to the service of the gospel following this example of St. Ignatius. The spiritual exercises as we have them today, are in a little booklet, a little manual, um, uh, uh, maybe 120 pages or so. And the idea is um, it's meant to be done in its purest form as a 30-day retreat and in silence away from um, um, your normal community life or work. Uh, that's mo very difficult for most people to do. And so sure. they've been adapted into eight-day retreats and weekend retreats, something that I'm uh, very much involved in. Basically, um, the way I describe it is um, they begin with a reflection on what is the purpose of our life? Why do we exist? Why did God make us? And then um, to talk about how sin frustrates that purpose, the purpose being to be with God forever, to know, love, and serve God, to be with God forever in the communion of saints. And it's sin that frustrates that purpose. And so then there's a reflection on God's mercy and how Jesus is the one who saves us from sin and death. And then the whole rest of the spiritual exercises uh, over three weeks or so, reflect on the life of Jesus, his death, his passion, suffering, and death, and then his resurrection. And in between these uh, reflections on the life of Jesus, there are also particular uh, reflections, meditations on um, the, our, the call of, of the king, how Jesus is calling me specifically to follow him, how to make a good choice in life, um, and, and all of these are designed, uh, the way I describe it, Patrick, is to, to help people appreciate better the love of God so that knowing that love of God in a deeper way, our response will be greater. We will want to love and serve God uh, in a deeper way in our own lives. 
Well, I've had the opportunity to go on a, well, a good number of three-day spiritual exercises retreats um, with the local Jesuit community uh, up where I am, and that's been really transformational for me. It's been a great thing that I look forward to each year. But uh, where can where can people find out about uh, where there might be a uh, even a three-day, a weekend, or an eight-day retreat going on near them? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a website, uh, very simply, it's Jesuits.org. Jesuits.org, J-E-S-U-I-T-S.org. And on there, it, it lists the four Jesuit provinces in the United States, and uh, each of those will have its own website and the different ministries. And so uh, they would, uh, the different retreat houses and the types of retreats would be listed uh, in, in that website. I'm I'm sure if you Google um, Jesuit retreat houses, um, you would get a whole slew of um, uh, different ops, um, options as well. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Thanks for that. Well, even without having had the benefit of going on uh, one of these retreats, I'm sure St. Ignatius can teach us many things, even if we're not able to attend a, a spiritual exercise retreat, which again, I am not uh, dissuading anybody from doing because they've been very fruitful in my own life. Uh, but what what do you think specifically, maybe families, what can families learn from St. Ignatius? Because the family life, it seems, was very different than the life that he led. Right. And I mean, but one of the things, you know, first of all, while St. Ignatius was a very worldly person, he lived at a time where the faith, it was just assumed, you know, Spanish uh, Catholicism in the 1500s was very strong. And sure. so he was baptized and uh, raised in the faith. So uh, certainly that was very strong in his in his uh family life. But the thing that I think would be most important for families today is the um, example of St. Ignatius and spiritual reading. Um, There are so many books out there now of saints, contemporary saints, uh, blessed Carlo Acutis, you know, the Mm -hmm. millennial saint, who would be very attractive to young people. So for families to read the lives of the saints, um, to make that part of a child's reading program when they're going to bed, or there's many, many videos also that uh, would make the lives of the saints come alive for young people. And I think growing up in that kind of environment, uh, people are will be inspired as St. Ignatius was to want to follow the example of these heroes and heroines of our faith. So mm-hmm. I think that's one of the most important things that families can learn uh, to engage the lives of the saints through spiritual reading or through other media that we have today. Yeah. Okay. Very good. And another way I know that many families have been touched is through a, a Jesuit school. There are so many excellent Jesuit schools around the globe and I, I guess I'm just wondering that uh, how did the Jesuit order come to be so um, so involved with the whole process of education from, you know, elementary schools all the way up through colleges and universities? That's a great question, Patrick, because that's not what St. Ignatius intended for right. the Jesuits. But he very quickly saw that this was a way that he could serve the greater honor and glory of God. Uh, so initially... Uh, because education uh, at the time of St. Ignatius was not in the best of shape, he 
um, started schools for his Jesuit seminarians. And in time, the uh, nobility in Italy and other places, Spain, saw these schools and said, you know, we would like to send our sons there. Um, we don't intend them to become Jesuits, but could they take classes alongside hmm. of the Jesuits, learning rhetoric, learning how to um, uh, communicate well, learning the basics of philosophy and the faith, uh, learning how to think, learning literature. Um, and so St. Ignatius allowed this to happen, where uh, lay people began sending their boys, their sons at the time, to these schools uh, for Jesuits. And in time, uh, they broadened then. They became not just Jesuit seminaries, but also schools for lay people. Um, and I, I think it was because St. Ignatius saw the influence that this could have on the leaders of society at his time that he decided, okay, for the greater honor and glory of God, if we can uh, have a good influence on future leaders, then um, this is where God is calling us right now. And so that's where Jesuits became uh, so well known for uh, their secondary education and also um, college and higher education. Hmm. Got a few minutes left with our spiritual director for this half hour, Father James Kubicki, who is a Jesuit priest himself. We're talking about St. Ignatius of Loyola and the Jesuit order that he founded. And uh, if you have maybe a way in which you have been affected by his his ministry, the ministry of the Jesuits, and would like to share that, we've still got time for one or two phone calls. 888-914-9149 is our phone number if you care to call in. 888-914-9149. Well, speaking of, you mentioned leadership right there at the end, and of course, our Holy Father is a Jesuit. And I'm just wondering, Father, if if there's, uh, if when you're hearing something from, as say, Pope Francis is giving one of his Wednesday audiences or something like that, I mean, do you detect, can you hear the Jesuit influence in the things that he says? Yes, you know, there's two two ways, and, and one of these was immediately after he was elected Pope, um, I, I saw someone who was, uh, let's say, an administrator who said, let's look at the problems we have and deal with them head on and gather information. And uh, so there was very much, I think, as he began his pontificate, a sort of problem-solving mentality that he had, very mm -hmm. practical. Uh, St. Ignatius was a very practical person. When he put together his constitutions, um, they uh, that basically direct and lead the Jesuit order. Uh, he did so um, getting real particular and specific uh, about the things that would help the community stay together and what Jesuits should be doing. The second thing that I see in, in Pope Francis is a deep love for the person of Jesus Christ. St. Mm -hmm. Ignatius, uh, with his spiritual exercises, was in love with Jesus. And he wanted to share that experience with others. So those who are uh, formed in the spiritual exercises, Jesuits and others, those who make these Jesuit retreats, the, the whole is, you could say, uh, developing a personal relationship with Jesus at a time when that was not really part of Catholic vocabulary. It's very much evangelical vocabulary now to have that personal relationship with Jesus. But I, I see in St. Ignatius and in Pope Francis, this deep love for Jesus that um, he wants everyone else to have as well. 
Mm-hmm. Well, very good. Um, this is it's all fascinating, and I'm glad that we were talking about that. And you know, Saint Ignatius influences, I think, the lives of many Catholics, even if it's not explicitly known because of his great influence in in history uh, over the past well, the past 500 years or so um, that has been has been going on. In fact, our producer Nick and I pray the sushi pay, his sushi pray uh, sushi pay prayer every every uh, day before we begin the inner life. That's one of the things that we do. And I guess um, I'd like to ask father what are the what are the ways that people can incorporate what what should folks do to learn from this great saint maybe um, pray some of his prayers uh, seek out the spiritual exercises Mm -hmm. read about him what would you suggest well again this might be very helpful to family life as well one of the things saint ignatius was noted for was uh the expression seeking God, finding God in all things. And so he had a very, let's say, uh, integrated view of spirituality, that a prayer was not simply what you did in church, but it was, it should include your whole life. And so basically he, he called it the examen, a review of the day at the end of the day, not so much an examination of conscience. What did I do wrong today? Where did I sin? But more the question, where was God in my day? Where was God in the events and people of my day? What was God trying to tell me through those people and events? Uh, how was I growing closer to the Lord? What was he challenging me? And and that kind of, of view of uh, looking at the end of the day, looking back on the day, and trying to see what was God, where was God present, and what was God trying to teach me? How was God caring for me during this day? That kind of prayer can really help people be more aware during the day of God's presence. And so I really highly recommend it as uh, something that families can do together uh, at the dinner table, asking, you know, what did you do today and where was God in your day can be a very helpful way of teaching children uh, not just to say prayers, but to have that kind of prayerful attentiveness to God's presence in their lives. Yeah. And we can learn a lot from his uh, zeal, his missionary zeal as well. Maybe just a word from you, Father, on how we can be good missionaries where God has planted us today. Well, and that's exactly right, um, that missionaries are not just those who go to uh, other cultures, countries, uh, but we're called to be missionaries right now. There's a retreat house in uh, outside St. Louis called White House, and uh, as they have a sign, as the retreatants are leaving, there's a sign that says, you are now entering mission territory, mm-hmm. to remind them that as they go forth from their retreat, they're called to bring the fruits of that retreat, the love of God they experienced, out into the world. And first and foremost, we do that by the way we live our lives, you know, living a life of honesty, integrity, where uh, we are at peace and people ask, what's your secret that you seem to be uh, so much uh, in possession of yourself and so much at peace? Um, How is it? That, that you have come to that kind of uh, peace. And that's what I think uh, the, the, the best way of being a missionary is the principle of attraction rather than promotion. So we attract people to the Lord through our own lives. Yeah, fantastic. Father, could we get a quick blessing from you before we have to go? I'm happy to do that. Through the intercession of St. Ignatius and all holy Jesuits throughout the years, We ask your blessing upon our listeners and their families. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. 
Amen. We've got a whole another half hour with Father Dave Heaney on St. Junipero Sarah. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at relevantradio.com slash quest. All Saints Day means all saints all day. Incredible journeys of faith, heroic holiness. Welcome back to great stories about great saints on Relevant Radio. And the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back. My name is Patrick Conley. This is The Inner Life. And my thanks to Nick Sentovich, our producer, and Thomas Engeser, who is staffing the phones today for us. And just a reminder, although today is All Saints Day, tomorrow is All Souls Day, and that begins our Relevant Radio Holy Souls Novena, November 2nd through the 10th. You can go to relevantradio.com slash souls and submit the names of up to 20 of your loved ones who have passed away, and we will lift them up in prayer together November 2nd through November 10th at the Daily Mass, the live stream Divine Mercy Chaplet, and the Family Rosary Across America. Again, that's relevantradio.com slash souls. Well, we just heard from Father James Kubicki about uh, Father 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 Saint Ignatius of Loyola, and now we are hearing from Father Dave Heaney on Saint Junipero Serra, who I'm guessing, because he grew up in Thousand Oaks, California, Father Dave, you might just be a spiritual descendant of this saint. Is that correct? I would certainly be honored to be. Yeah. As a, as a Californian, uh, he's uh, especially close to my heart and a very, very famous person here. He considered the founder actually, of California. So a very, very powerful figure here in California. I certainly imagine, and and certainly beyond that as well, as his reputation spreads far and wide across this great land and around the world as well. Well, let's get into him. Father, introduce us to St. Junipero Serra. A wonderful person, a very bright person, a Franciscan monk, a Franciscan priest, uh, grew up on the island of Mallorca, Spain, he became a, a doctor in philosophy, taught philosophy for a number of years, and then felt the call to go to the missions. So he, he volunteered with a few friends to go to the missions, which at that time, uh, according to, the, to uh, what was going on in Spain, was they wanted to uh, bring, the, bring the church to the area of California. Now, Spain had claimed California, even though, of course, like a lot of empires, they were claiming land that where other people were already living. But, you know, as was the custom at that time, Spain claimed this whole area of California, but did nothing with it for about 200 years mm. until all of a sudden the Russians started coming down from Alaska and through Canada and were coming into Northern California. And so Spain said, we have to do something. We have to bring Spanish people to California to populate it or else we're going to lose it. And, and along with that, they wanted to bring the church as well. So Padre Serra was... Uh, picked uh, to do that, and he came to uh, Mexico first, because that was the capital of the whole area, Mexico City. An amazing thing happened on the day that he landed. Uh, he landed on near Veracruz, which is in the Gulf of Mexico, and horses and wagons were provided to take everyone the 500 miles to Mexico City. Okay. And Padre Serra chose to walk instead. Yeah. And within a couple of days, he was bitten by an insect on his leg. The leg became inflamed never healed in his entire life and wow. would often inflame itself. And so the saint who was famous for walking up and down the state of California did so with a limp, and it was very painful with every step. So really on the very first day that he arrives in California, uh, he's already showing the tremendous courage and willingness to sacrifice for uh, the beautiful goal of saving souls. Hmm. 
And uh, until until I get to that point with a with a bug bite that uh, happens on me, I I can tell you, Father Dave, I am uh, I'm not going to complain about bug bites anymore, <laughs> or I'm going to at least ask for Saint Junipero Serra's uh, intercession when I'm facing those things. Wow, what a story! And all right, so he he sets off. He's as you said, up and down, uh, and he is he's founding missions. I mean, I think that's what we know him for is founding all these missions. What? What is what is involved in founding a mission, Father? So the idea is the, uh, they want people to walk to colonize to basically establish settlements up and down the coast of California. And so the idea was to have this what's called the mission system. Now, you know, the Spain, you know, they owned the they had a lot of property on the West Coast, but they knew that England and France had property on the on the East Coast. But they saw that. Indian tribes on the East Coast were being decimated by disease. They were just dropping like flies. It was a tremendous tragedy and a very sad part of Indian history that they just had no defenses against European uh, diseases. So the idea was is that how do you defend against these diseases? Well, it must be, you know, kind of good old-fashioned virtues of working outside, uh, healthy work, uh, good nutrition, regular sleep. Um, those were the ideas that they thought would bring protection to the Indians. So the mission system was to ask Indians to voluntarily join the mission system in which they would be taught very various crafts. They would learn, um, they would have regular meals, lodging, they would learn woodcrafts, clothes making, modern farming, and cattle bringing. They would learn all these skills. And those that were that volunteered would also uh, be free to be baptized. Now, remember in canon law, for a baptism to be valid, it has to be free. So no one can be coerced into being baptized. They would immediately make it invalid. Mm. And, uh, you know, very often Sarah was by himself or maybe with one other monk. And so uh, he had to make the faith attractive to Indians in order for them to, to come on board and to make the mission life attractive to them because there was no way that he had enough, you know, force to make it happen by force. So he had to make it attractive. So the mission systems were... The mission system was to have this mission, which was kind of a large farm in which there would be farming and manufacturing and and animal breeding. And um, Indians would work the farm under the direction of the Franciscans, who would do it in the manner of St. Francis. Remember, they're follow St. Francis, who loved everybody. So uh, they would work on this farm, and then it would be a day's walk north to the next mission. And Mm -hmm. so... a, a, a Somebody visiting California could go up the coast of California and have a place to stay each night because the missions would be like one day's march apart from each other. So from San Diego to San Francisco, there's about 21 missions. Huh. Uh, and it was around those missions largely that uh, cities developed, uh, like Los Angeles, uh, for example, or San Diego, uh, even um, San Francisco, Monterey, so this this mission system of these 21 missions up and down uh, the coast of California, one day's march so that a visitor could go all the way to San Francisco and have a beautiful place to stay. And then all these Indians would be um, working the mission system. About 50,000 Indians chose to be baptized. Wow. Uh, the rest were just uh, workers on the mission. Uh, and they were free to, to come and go. They were not, they were not coerced into staying there. That was... Uh, kind of a later reading into history, unfortunately. <clears throat> but especially with the Franciscans, they knew that faith depended on freedom, uh, free choice. Even when we do baptisms today, 
you know, we say to the couple, why have you come here to the church today? And then the, and then the family says, we would like to have our child baptized. Mm-hmm. So right at the very beginning of the ceremony, we kind of establish and affirm uh, freedom. Right, right. Very good. Our spiritual director for this half hour is Father Dave Heaney, and we're talking about a saint from his area of the world out in California, St. Junipero Serra, who has much to teach us, uh, even if we don't live in California, if we're not directly related to California. If you have a question about St. Junipero Serra, feel free to give us a call. 888-914-9149 is our phone number, 888-914-9149, or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Well, Father, let's get into a little bit of ways that... uh, St. Junipero Serra directly can affect and bear fruit in our own spiritual lives, our learning about him, and what can we be inspired um, by him about? Well, I think I think you said something earlier, just made, made a lot of sense. You know, I mean, sometimes we get a mosquito bite and we think our life has come to an end. Uh, <laughs> yeah, true. But, uh, you know, Sarah, I think from day one, exemplified, you know, he had a mission. He's had something that he wanted to do. For, for God, for the church, and nothing would derail him from that task. Mm-hmm. Not an inflamed leg, not the distances walked, not the incredibly cruel and mean Spanish soldiers. Uh, in fact, one time, um, Sarah walked from San Diego to Mexico City to have a, a, a corrupt commander removed, and he was successful. So he, he fought uh, not only, you know, personal injury, suffering and sacrifice, but he also fought the Spanish soldiers sometimes and frequently won based on his character and his good reputation. Mm. So I wow. think, first of all, just the, you know, we can certainly learn from Sarah the, the idea of, you know, attaining your goal, having a goal that's beautiful and it's powerful and it's from God and, that, and letting nothing derail you from that. Yeah, you know, not, yeah. not sickness, not other people's uh, intervention, just laser focus on the salvation of souls. Yeah, I think that's yeah. a, that's a big thing. A singularity um, of focus, sure. Yeah, yeah. I think the other thing that impressed the Indians was that he wasn't he shared in the work himself. You know, he would carry logs, he would carry water, he would uh, dig mm. ditches, he would uh, you know plow the fields. So they saw a leader who was willing to enter into the same task as the people he was leading. He wasn't you know sitting up on a throne you know barking orders at people. So he was willing to get his hands dirty. He was willing to enter into the same work that he was asking other people to do. I think that's a good, you know, virtue for any leader. Sure. And certainly was uh, something that uh, that Sarah did. Yeah, yeah. 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 <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, rolling up the sleeves and getting in there with uh, with mm-hmm. whatever work is being done and pitching in in whatever way we can. I think that's a, that's a good. And it seems like, I mean, he seems to be... I, well, I don't know if it's right to say welcoming of, but he seems to uh, he seems to be a good, you know, in the like you said before, in the face of suffering to carry on, like you said, not be deterred from that. So maybe a, a great follow up question is then, I mean, how can we adopt his attitude towards suffering when suffering comes? How can we remain focused on what God has called us to? I think, uh, you know, I think a classic way that um, Franciscans did at the time and really anyone who was was a devout follower of Christ is, you know, just kind of having somewhere in your presence a crucifix. Mm. Because what do you see on a crucifix is that you see an image of an innocent person suffering. And I think that's important because sometimes when people, you know, they get a diagnosis of cancer or get in an accident or something bad happens, they think it's a message from God, some kind of punishment. 
That is the worst possible conclusion that you can draw. Suffering is part of life. It happens. It may not happen this year, but it might happen next year. Mm -hmm. And it has nothing to do with innocence or guilt. Jesus did nothing wrong, and yet he's on the cross. So Jesus shows us the way to handle suffering, which is to not take it personally, but to, but to use it for some good. So if you have cancer, help other people with cancer. If you have this suffering happening to you, use it to learn compassion for other people who are suffering. Mm-hmm. So it's, suffering is something that you have, and then you use it for some good. And of course, we get that weekly lesson for, for doing that at Mass when Jesus says, this is my body and this is my blood given for your happiness so his body and blood is what Jesus has, and he uses it for our salvation. Mm-hmm. So we learn from that, and we say, okay, what do I have? I have good health. Okay, I'm going to use my health for good. I have money. I'm going to use my wealth for good. I have suffering. I'm going to use my suffering in some way for good. And so Sarah never used his suffering as an excuse to get out of work. Uh, he used it as a way of being compassionate for Indians who sometimes suffered under the Spanish soldiers or under the Spanish governors. And so his heart was open to compassion because probably of the suffering that he himself had. And so I think these are all lessons that basically all the saints give us. But, And I think in a very powerful way, especially for us here in <clears throat> Southern California, uh, Sarah was a great example of, of uh, you know, using his suffering for good, uh, sharing in the life of the Indians that he led, uh, and just being an example of St. Francis uh, everywhere he went, up and mm-hmm. down the coast of California. Mm-hmm. Very good. Again, speaking with our spiritual director, Father Dave Heaney, about this great Saint, Saint Junipero Serra, uh, founder of missions up and down the California coast, and in the face of yeah, some pretty daunting challenges that he faced as well. Mm-hmm. And Father, as I did a little bit of reading about him, I noted that he was he was also known for his optimism. So it wasn't just that he was you know bearing quietly uh, the suffering, which of course he was, but it was that he actually maintained. It sounds like a pretty hopeful uh, attitude towards those around him, and specifically his mission, because he also was greatly devoted to his converts. Yeah. Yeah, he was very optimistic. Uh, I think you'd have to be to, you know, kind right. of endure yeah. the indignities of the Spanish soldiers. He, he, never, he never let other people's sinfulness affect him. Wow. He was surrounded by bad people. Uh, the, the, you know, Spain didn't send their best soldiers to Southern California. Mm. And, of course, they're a long way from Mexico City and then even longer away from Spain. And so they would get drunk and they would abuse the Indians and they would steal and do all these kind of things. And... Sarah, he never let their badness, he never, he never let their sinfulness affect him. Mm-hmm. He had those virtues of faith, hope, and love. He nourished them every day, never let other people denigrate them uh, or affect them, and remained that, that, that beautiful sense of optimism just all of his life in a very beautiful way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. yeah. Yeah, and that's uh, that too is a big challenge for most of us these days too yeah. is to not let the sinfulness of others and even their derision that comes our way uh, deter us from our own hope our own optimism that way too wow yeah great things that we can learn from saint junipero serra now um i know i have interacted with and um, certainly appreciate and respect uh, uh, uh the sarah international that has taken on his name do you want to tell us a little bit about sarah clubs well wonderfully this is a group of of uh, lay people and priests who basically the purpose of the Sarah Club is to foster vocations. 
And, you know, <clears throat> vocations to the priesthood or even re- any religious life. And, you know, that's a beautiful vocation. And they could have chosen any saint. I mean, we have thousands and thousands of saints. Sure. But wonderfully, they've chosen the name Sarah. And uh, I think that's a beautiful thing because, you know, Sarah is always associated with this idea of walking. You know, he was famous for walking from San Diego to Mexico City and back, and from San Diego to San Francisco and back. Mm. I get upset if I'm two hours on the freeway in my car. <laughs> you Good know. point. Oh, my God. You know, what's going on here? And here's a guy who walked. Uh, these are month-long journeys out in the out, you know, with lions and tigers and bears all over the place. Um, <clears throat> so he, so that his life is kind of associated with the idea of journey. And that's what the vocation is, too. It's a journey of ministry that a religious person takes. Um, and on that journey, you know, you encounter all kinds of different things, and yet you, you stay focused on your mission, never let anything get in the way of the vocation, never let other people's sinfulness get to you. These are lessons that are just extremely important for anyone who's in ministry, lay or a cleric. And so I think, you know, having before us the person of Sarah, uh, is just a great idea for a, an organization that promotes uh, vocations. Yeah. And they uh, they sometimes give financial aid to a person maybe who can't afford the seminary tuition. Uh, they provide, um, uh, you know, invite them to the meetings to give witness talks. Uh, I've been to their meetings men- a number of times and given presentations, and it's just very inspiring to know that here's a bunch of lay people who are just doing everything they can to support those of us in ministry. Sarah mm-hmm. International. Yeah, Sarah International. Check them out. the The United States mm-hmm. Council, anyway, is can be found online at sarahus.org. That's s e r r a u s dot org. Right. Well, and um, we, we, I know one of the ways. I mean, again, Junipero Serra, Saint Junipero Serra, well known even beyond uh, California's borders, but um, really honored in so many places up and down in California. Rightly so, of course. But uh, there, I my understanding is some of the uh, some of his his likenesses, his images, his statues have been subject to vandalism. Do you want to just say a few words about that too, Father? Sure. By the way, uh, you might know that every state, I think, is allowed two statues in the statuary hall in in the Capitol building. Hmm. And California, I don't know who the other saint is, but one of our saint, one of our statues is a statue of Padre Serra, wow. representing the state of California in the Capitol building. So what happened in the recent controversy about Sarah is that he became conflated with Spanish Empire abuses and the abuses of the soldiers. So, you know, Spain, you know, didn't always act very well in the New World. Certainly the soldiers rarely did. And so Sarah became kind of basically connected to that because he was from Spain and he was considered to be kind of part of that Spanish uh, regime. And so for that reason, I think, unfortunately... He incorrectly became associated with that colonialism and that and that kind of uh, domineering Spanish Empire presentation. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, you know, I think it's a tragedy that sometimes our universities don't do a great job in teaching history correctly. Sometimes it's given in kind of a Marxist view of oppressor versus oppressed and, um, and kind of a dichotomy uh, presentation, which is just, you know, very, very wrong. Sure. And I think there was just a lot of misunderstandings of it. And I think hopefully if the if the real story of Sarah comes out, um, then I think people will recognize just how countercultural he was. He was countercultural to the soldiers. 
He was countercultural to the Spanish Empire. He had a different goal. Spain definitely wanted colonies. Sarah wanted the salvation of souls, and they were often in conflict. So Sarah stood apart, really, from the Spanish Empire uh, abuses. And I think just unfortunately today people don't recognize that. They conflated them together, and it was kind of part of that cancel culture that was unfortunately sweeping the country a little while ago, and in some places is still around. Um, you know, taking down statues of George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, of all people. Mm-hmm. Just people that really don't understand history very well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, thanks for the clarity on that, Father. I appreciate that. Didn't didn't suspect that uh, this great saint of the church had much to really complain or to to for us to be upset over. But uh, it's it's good to know kind of where the controversy comes from. So Absolutely. thank you for that. Appreciate that. We're talking about St. Junipero Serra with our spiritual director, Father Dave Heaney. And uh, for Californians, a special hat tip to you on this All Saints Day. Again, we're, we're running All Saints, great saints, great stories about great saints all day long here on Relevant Radio. Check that out at RelevantRadio.com. Check out the lineup there or on the Relevant Radio app. And uh, Father, any just as we kind of close off our discussion on St. Junipero Serra, I mean, I don't know that he was really an author at all. Maybe he was, but I just don't know. I've never heard of books written by him. But uh, any ways that we can we can learn more about him, that we can engage with him and his spirituality, that, of course, we can ask for his intercession? I just read biographies of, of uh, Sarah. And I would say read biographies from good Catholic authors, too, because you want to make sure you get the authentic story. Sure. Uh, but... Uh, uh, you know what? Just very simply, the Wikipedia uh, thing that I looked at the other day actually was pretty good. Uh, I thought okay. it was a fair, balanced uh, deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think uh, I think that would be the important thing, uh, just to have a good, authentic source of Sarah. And I, yeah. I, he was he was fairly recently canonized too, right? Within the last ten years, Pope Francis, so, Pope yeah. Francis yeah. Uh, canonized him. John Paul II beatified him, and then uh, just a few years ago, I don't have the date exactly. Um, he uh, he was canonized by uh, Pope Francis mm, in a beautiful yeah. ceremony in in, uh, in the Vatican. Yeah, very good. Wow. Yep. And he's he's known as the Apostle of California. I saw well, that. actually, the Apostle, but also the founder of California, because yeah? he's the okay. one. You know, it was that <clears throat> that road that goes from San Diego to San Francisco is still there. It's Highway 101, still one of the most beautiful scenic uh, routes in California. Um, mm-hmm. He did another thing that was kind of charming. California is famous for having huge hillsides covered in mustard seed. And what Sarah would do is as he would walk north up, you know, the El Camino Real, that royal road, he would drop mustard seed. And knowing that in the following spring, people simply had to follow these, this kind of brightly yellow plant, which ah, would guide them north. Interesting. And it's almost like follow the yellow brick road, right? Yeah. Just follow, follow the yellow, <laughs> yellow plants. And now, of course, mustard seeds are all over the place. But uh, they started from, uh, from Sarah, you know, kind of wow. helping people follow him uh, up through the valleys and mountains north. I, well, I have so many things now that I need. I, I have always dreamt of uh, doing a mission tour out in California. And now this is just pushing me to do so. And now I've got more things to look for, including the mustard plants that uh, that he brought with him. So that's great, yeah. Father. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, and it, just, I, I guess, uh, in, in kind of wrapping things up or, or concluding with uh, with St. Junipero Serra, too, what, what do you think he would want us to pray for for California today? Oh, wow. Um, I think, you know, just to... 
you know, I think the thing that Sarah wanted more than anything else was to people were for, was for people to follow Christ, whether it was a Spanish soldier or an Indian, mm-hmm. to follow Christ. If, if anything, he was always about the conversion of souls. That's why he came all the way from Spain to California and walked up and down the coast. Uh, he endured so many hardships, so many sacrifices, loneliness, you know, so much, you know, uh, life difficulties, all about for this wonderful goal of bringing a person to Christ. So I think that he would say, he would pray for us to be missionaries wherever we are. Yeah. If you're at work, be a missionary, learn about the people around you, learn what makes them tick, uh, see if they are interested in, in Christ, to help them out, invite them into the kingdom of God. Wherever you are, Sarah was in the up and down the coast of California, you're in your workplace or at school or in your neighborhood or amongst your friends, I think Sarah would invite, invite you to be a missionary. Mm. And he would say, be a missionary, bring a soul to Christ, bring someone to the kingdom of God, and then you will find the same happiness that really propelled Sarah all of his life. Remember, he was happy in what he was doing. He really liked his job. He really enjoyed bringing this person of Christ to people who didn't know him because he would see how it changed their life and how their life became more meaningful and more purposeful. So I think he would pray for us all to be a missionary wherever we are. Mm. Wow. Well, and that's, uh, that is certainly a, a huge thing to pray for and a huge thing. I'm grateful that you're there, Father Dave, to, uh, to be one of those missionaries and to inspire your, the people entrusted to your care, your pastoral care to do just the same. Yeah. So we'll be praying for you. And for all of our relevant radio family who abide in California and uh, throughout the uh, throughout the United States as well, around the world as well. Well, Father, it's been a great conversation about Saint Junipero Serra. I know I learned a lot, and now I'm my my appetite is wet, and I look forward Good. to learning more about this particular saint and all the saints that we're covering here today. May we have a blessing from you as we close the show? Absolutely. So, Heavenly Father, in our journey through life, may the journey to save souls of Padre Serra be our daily inspiration. And we ask his intercession and pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, Father Dave, thanks for being on and to explain this and introduce us to this great saint. We have uh, lots more saints coming up on Relevant Radio today, coming up on the Faith Explained at 1230. Uh, Kale is going to tackle King David, so an Old Testament saint for you. Father Simon, St. Walpurga, Boy, I'm going to have to tune into that one. I have no idea. But uh, so make sure and keep listening to Relevant Radio. And happy All Saints Day, everybody. Grace and peace to you in this great solemnity.